When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the most wonderful time of the new year because we're now in 2020, the sequel. Thank you for tuning in another Wednesday here at the Second Print Comics Podcast. As always, I've got the miraculous, marvelous, mighty Mr. Mark Claire. Mark, uh, it's it's 2021 by the time people are listening to this, and honestly, I don't feel a difference. We're breaking the fourth wall here, Remzo. It is 2021. It's 2021 because this is a live show broadcasting straight from every podcast catcher you have. So, yeah. Time anyway. travel stuff, you know. Of course, our lovely patrons are probably, depending on how quickly I edit this, are probably hearing this last year. So, as always, especially in comics, time travel is confusing, you know, when we talk about time. We are omnipotent. We are here, there, and everywhere, all at once. But uh, We are yeah. every present. We are like eternity, or, or the living tribunal, or one of these, you know, cosmic creatures from the Marvel Universe. We are everywhere and always and everything all at once. We are right the here watcher. On, on second print. We are the watcher. And the watched. Um, <laughs> it is, uh, it, it's, it's great that we were able to get through 2020 with, you know, more than 20 plus episodes because I'm going with the 20 theme. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to go ahead and say thank you again. We've got 11 patrons as of recording right now. All of you have been enabling us to continue to put more into more of ourselves into this project. I've- enabling makes it sound bad, like an addiction, which is, I guess it is actually somewhat true. I am addicted to comics. I am addicted to talking about comics. I love podcasts. So yeah, I'm being enabled. All my addictions are being fueled by by our patrons right now. You see, when you do it for free, people can criticize you. When you do it Mm -hmm. for money, it's called commendable. But it is – no, it's it's just absolutely fantastic. As always, uh, you know, I do want to start off with this. Uh, I won't say the person's name, but, you know, often – uh, Mark and I will look at the downloads and we'll look at stats and insights and stuff like that. And we'll be like, okay, are we are we where we want to be? And are we growing at a rate that's nice? And, you know, do people really care about this? And right before the holidays started, uh, a few of you were just commenting on a, on some of the posts in our Second Brick Comics fan zone, which is available for patrons at the $5 level or higher. And, uh, you know, without being solicited for feedback or anything else, a few of you just mentioned, hey, uh, you know, I I lost my job or I've had a loss in the family or or I've been on, you know, some pretty challenging times as of late. And this show 
actually brings me out of that and brings me a small slice of happiness at least for a couple hours a week. And when I read that, it, it melted my heart and it made it grow five times larger. And, uh, you know, just for moments like that to hear from not one, but several of you who went out of your way to say that, uh, it, it really does remind us that, you know, the, the great thing about co- culture, pop culture is that it's universal. It does nothing but bring interest and entertainment and happiness. And when you get to share it with other people, that that's what makes life worth living. And for those of you that know Mark and I, you know, we, we come from different backgrounds. We didn't always jump into the comic book arena. This was a new challenge for us. But, uh, you know, in, in our jobs and our other, you know, side hustles and all that stuff, because we've got more gigs than a Jamaican, uh, you know, often we can get bogged down with the news and current events and politics and everything like many of you. So for us to get to spend this time with you during the week and during weekends uh, when we do extra content and stuff like that on Patreon, I mean, we, we really do notice it and we really do appreciate it. So as we go into this new year, one thing that Mark and I can both promise you is we're going to keep going pedal to the metal. We've got a ton of new content coming out on the website that we both hope that you enjoy. Um, we've got uh, new bonus stuff. We've got new uh, new show formats coming in time for like Valentine's Day and other stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just excited for where we're going to be. Because I think 2021 is going to be the year where we freaking go to the moon. Could not agree more, my friend. And I know you and I have both been podcasting outside of the comic realm for for quite a long time, uh, probably in over you know 12 years combined between the two of us. And you know we both come from the, the political arena, where obviously, especially this year, uh, but really always, things can get kind of serious. Things can feel glum. There's a lot of uh, when you're, especially when you're involved in like political social media. There's a lot of mudslinging, anger, hate. Uh, it can really weigh on you. Sometimes. Sometimes, and even you and I are, are even within that realm. We're the kind of people that are more, I would say, more optimistic, less trying to get bogged down in that stuff. But still, when you're around it all the time, it can it can weigh pretty heavy. So to be able to step out, I mean, just like that that listener said for us, uh, this is also an escape for me. You know, to be able to you know set, actually set aside the time to go back and read uh, these older stories, expose myself to new stuff, all with the purpose of doing this show and bring that same distraction and that same joy to other people out there. I mean, you you can't put a a number on that you know i i've become very obsessed over the years i'm always i'm one of those people that's always like looking at the down a little OCD. numbers a little bit just a little bit uh analyzing things and thinking what else can we do uh but no matter what like you uh, this is something that's true with my other podcasts as well uh no matter what you look at how you look at the numbers or the downloads and uh, analyze everything the, the site visits there's nothing that really makes my uh makes my heart tingle i guess more than an actual human reaching out and saying what you're doing actually matters to me what you're doing is actually affecting me and the fact that we've had so many people reach out uh, unprompted and, and tell us this kind of thing i mean it's it's so motivating uh for us to keep doing this because I think w- out there in the world, especially uh, with this past year, uh, we need some we need some joy, we need some levity, we need things that bring us together outside of outside of politics, and uh, that's one thing that's great about comics. Hey, of course, uh, political issues do come up in a lot of the stories that we get into, uh, but we're not here. Neither of us are here, despite the fact that of course we have opinions. We're humans. We're not here to push our opinions to to bring politics into this. We're we're here to sort of distract people from everything else that's going on in the world and, and find 
find a way to bring people together. We're here to read comics and change the world. Exactly. Because <laughs> because that, that is the truth, though. Because every action we take, and we're going to get super philosophical today, I guess. Every action you take in life does affect somebody. You know, it's, it's the butterfly effect. Every little thing you do has an effect on someone, and that has an effect on someone else. And these little things do add up. And I'm not saying that us getting on here and talking about comic books is literally going to, you know, bring about world peace or, you know, greater wealth and prosperity for everybody. But it might help. It might hurt. It might help. And I'm being dead serious because you know the the more we can bring some joy out there, some love out there, and find things to come together on that we all, you know, our common interests that we have, uh, people can remember that we are in this together in in some in, in many ways. Uh, even if it doesn't feel like it when you get out there in the world, even if it doesn't feel like it when you get out there into politics, we're all on this earth together. We're all just trying to get by. We're all trying to make the best of what we have and what we can have. And uh, these stories can be so influential on people and can really move people. People's emotions move people's hearts so much, and we can come together and enjoy these things together. Not have to think about everything else that goes on. I think we actually can change the world, create a better world out there. Yeah, a little bit at a time, a few, an, one issue or one episode at a time, whatever you want to say. Yeah, absolutely. There's this really good article from uh, CBR.com, Comic Book Resources, and it was uh, somebody doing an interview with the rapper Common. Uh, Common is a self-proclaimed giant comic nerd. He has appeared in the Luke Cage series on Netflix. He actually wants he he, he really wants a lobby to be uh, a new you know to to take the role of an existing Marvel character potentially in the in the MCU and uh, you know one thing he said was that you know growing up a poor kid growing up in a in, in a broken household and everything comic books was the basis of his morality and uh, you know as I shared that article a good friend of mine Andrew Meyer aka Don't Taste Me Bro dude uh, you can find him at the Andrew Meyer on Twitter he's he's hilarious um, he he just basically said you know hey man. Like comic books are the biblical stories of a whole generation of people. And uh, I, I really do underst- understand where he's coming from because uh, for me, comics have always been really that – that constant in my life. And, you know, as we've talked about, um, you know, like uh, uh, Captain America, Fallen Sun, and some of these other stories where they get into just really, really, I'll, I'll call them human oriented stories. Um, you know, this is uh, this is the mythology of a, of a whole generation of people. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of jump into the topic today, because what I love about the, the Second Brick Comics fan zone is that we can all dogpile on each other sometimes. But sometimes uh, something comes up that we can't even ignore. And I have to say, this really <laughs> shocked me that this would be so contentious. I didn't know so many of you had such bad taste in movies. But Wonder Woman 1984. Jesus Christ. I think we must have watched this at almost the same day and time because we both posted like simultaneously <laughs> our opinions on the movie just in like a one sentence and it, we couldn't have more opposing. We're, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this movie, and we're gonna talk about some of the stuff that uh, you know Warner Brothers is planning onward, primarily through uh, the end of 2020 and then 2022, and maybe some of the Disney Plus stuff. Because if we were waiting for a whole bunch of content to come out, we're gonna get it uh, within the near future. But I will I, I will start it with this: Is Wonder Woman 1984 the best superhero movie ever? No, but. Thank God I, you said no. I, I was getting worried. I liked it. I actually saw it in theaters twice and once on HBO Max because there's not really much to do around here. And You have watched this film three uh, times. Is this yeah, what you're telling me? In yeah. less than a week. That's really what you're telling me. Yeah, because there's nothing I think, else on. I think you need uh, – 
I think you could use some someone to talk. Okay, to. I've watched I've <laughs> watched Tiger me. King. I've watched Tiger <laughs> King twice. I've watched Extraction probably a dozen times. I saw Bloodshot like three days in a row. Okay, so on it's Hulu. just what you do. So I, it's not that out of the yeah. I mean, I, I I I obsess over this stuff. I mean, it was it, it like listen. I have a sliding scale from like the Donner Superman, which is really I think what, what quintessential superhero film should be, and then like X Men Origins Wolverine. Am I placing it close to either of those? No, but it's somewhere in the lost middle of movies that can pop up on TNT as I'm flipping through channels, and I'll be like, yeah, I've got nothing else to do this afternoon. I'll watch it. All right. So for new listeners, I know we do have some new listeners coming on uh, right around now. Today is not going to be our normal format. We decided we wanted to take a break from what we normally do, where either Remzo and I produces a show and, uh, you know, and goes through goes through the entire, you know, entire storyline, entire book or what have you, uh, because we did want to, uh, you know, actually talk about this movie and talk about some things that we're looking forward to, you know, coming in the year 2021. Uh, but to me, it's, it's good to have a little break from that format because this is also helpful to people that can see what some of our bonus content is more like when we've done some bonus shows where we're a little more laid back, a little more open-ended, a little more loosey-goosey with, with the topic. So I'm looking forward to this and it's nice to not have to actually like prepare because, if anyone listens has listened to these episodes, like we extensively prepare. Like I, I come in these things with pages and pages and pages. I of work notes. harder Sometimes here I, than I did in undergrad. I absolutely prepare harder for this podcast than the vast majority of my college courses. That is absolutely not a lie at all. Um, and so you should feel, I, I man, and I and I was paying for that. I was paying to do that, man. Anyway, most of you get this for free. us all here. But but please, if you like, you know. More current event type stuff. You know, I've got the Remso rants. We've got Claire Continues. And then we've got these potpourri episodes where we just discuss everything under the sun. We thought this would be a nice way to kind of just slide into the new year. So that way you can understand what's going through our mind. And then next week we'll get back to hitting these stories hot and heavy like we usually do. Right. So so let's get into the movie itself. And I think – I'm not going to have a good enough time talking about this unless we can say first that it's going to be spoiler filled. So if you have not seen this movie yet, uh, I would recommend unless you don't care. And sometimes people just want to hear about the movie and and go see it afterwards. And if you're one of those people, then please do continue listening. But if you really don't want to be spoiled and you want to see the film first, just pause this podcast. Remember us. Don't forget. Bookmark it. Whatever you got to do. Star it. Whatever whatever you got to do. Don't forget to come back, of course. But go watch the movie and uh, you can do that right now. Okay, you're back. You just watched the movie, or you already have. Okay, so now we can freely and uh, full of spoilers, if we must, talk about this movie. Uh, I, I don't know. Do you want to just kind of go through the basics of, of the plot and how things were set up, and then we can kind of go from there and, and talk about how it relates to the characters in the comic or doesn't relate to the characters in the comic in, in a lot of this case? So I, I here here's how I like to cover it. Let's cover just the basic plot. Then we'll jump into the characters and then we'll jump into kind of, you know, where, where it aligns with the source material. And then at the end of it, you know, what does this mean for the broader DC extended universe, which apparently this still is part of, even though Warner Brothers is kind of saying, well, if you don't like it, it won't count. If you like it, it will count. But uh, the basic plot is it takes place way after the first uh, Wonder Woman film, which took place in World War One. Diana is a. Uh, 
everything type of super sexy archaeologist scientist lady at the <laughs> museum at the Smithsonian. That, that sums up her job title. Basically. Super sexy archaeologist. That's lady. how she introduces herself to people. Hi, I'm Diana Prince, super sexy scientist, archaeologist woman. And uh, you know, she's working there. Meanwhile, uh, you got this new chicken town, Barbara Minerva, aka who will eventually become the cheetah if you haven't been brain dead forever. And uh, she's working there. And then you've got Maxwell Lord, who's just basically like, you know, I want I want to I want to say he's like every televangelist I ever saw growing up. He's basically a big TV personality. Some people equated him to Trump. I didn't really see it that much, but it's a weird it's a weird role for Pedro Pascal. And basically, what happens is Matt is uh, Max Lord gets his hands on this wishing rock thing. It grants everyone their wishes. Diana accidentally makes a wish without really knowing what the stone is, and Steve Trevor comes back a la Quantum Leap style. Uh, his soul gets put into the body of John Galt from the Atlas Shrugged movies, if you recognize them. Uh, oh, Barbara nice. Barbara becomes basically super strong because she wants to be like Diana. She didn't know that Diana was an Amazonian. And uh, Maxwell Lord, played by the Mandalorian himself, Ma- uh, Pedro Pascal, he wishes to basically become the rock. So basically, it's like the monkey's paw thing. For everything you wish for, he asks for something in return. And basically, what he's trying to do is he's basically trying to rule the world. I can't say... It gets more complicated because it really doesn't. But it's basically Wonder Woman fighting a chick who suddenly learned what it's like to be the women in the movie Pretty Woman. And, um, you know, Mexican Mandalorian who just he he talks in like this very, very (laughs) campy, uh, you know, TV announcer voice all day. And uh, that's uh, that's. That's basically it. I mean, I like what, what I liked about the film was I like the rom com element, and I know that shouldn't be what I should be leading with for a superhero film. But Gal Gadot and uh, you know uh, Chris Pine, I think they're great on screen together. Uh, the way that they reverse things, where now it's Wonder Woman introducing Steve Trevor to this brand new world, nineteen eighty four, was pretty awesome. I thought Pedro Pascal seeing him as a villain, even though he was campy, he's by far not the campiest. I mean, he's not like the guy who played Lex Luthor in the original Superman films from the 70s, but it was it was pretty good. Uh, as far as the casting of Kristen Wiig was for Cheetah, I will say that I wasn't really jazzed about it, and I went into it hoping, okay, you know, may, a lot of comedians will go from comedy into more serious roles, but, uh, you know, Kristen Wiig did a great job pretending to be Kristen Wiig, and that's not good or bad. It's just that as I'm watching the film, I'm like, I can imagine ten of ten other actors. But uh, you know, what I liked about it was the fact that it wasn't overly filled with Easter eggs. It's not trying to set up twenty million spin-offs and other things. I liked it because it's just a very good, you know, I'll say Donner-esque style superhero movie. It's very self-contained, and I feel like I could watch this interchangeably with other films and I'm not gonna feel like I have to watch a bunch of other stuff in order to understand what's going on. It was nice to have that for once. So, you know, is this a great movie? No, but it was a good movie. And especially in a year where the only other superhero film we had was Bloodshot, which, you know, got throttled in theaters because of the pandemic and everything. It was nice to just see something that was kind of campy, kind of kind of sweet and just you know it was just fun it wasn't dark and gloomy like a lot of this Zack Snyder DC stuff it was a little bit more on the campy factor than let's say Shazam which I I I will say Shazam is my favorite DCEU movie but uh you know Wonder Woman 84 I think it'll 
it'll just be something that we kind of forget over time. I I, I love to forget it sooner than later, but uh, dear God, you saw it once. I saw it three times. That's not your. That's not my problem. That's not my <laughs> fault. I never told you to rewatch all these movies over and over. I got bored. Uh, okay, so there, I, for for starters, I loved the first Wonder Woman. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was incredibly, uh, incredibly well shot. Uh, Patty Jenkins is an amazing director. And this was visually, you know, pretty well done, too. I, I can't really speak against the cinematography of it. Um, I had a number of issues with this movie. Overall, the number one issue I have with this movie, it was boring as hell. I was bored out of my damn mind during watching this thing. And it, and the big pro- pro- problem I have overall is that it it was barely a superhero movie. I mean, it was it was hardly a superhero movie. There's a scene in the beginning. There's a first scene where Wonder Woman stops these robbers in the mall, and that you know, ends up being connected to that stone or whatever. And she breaks the cameras, and that's how we're supposed to explain how maybe no one knew her. Because here's the thing: when Wonder Woman is introduced in Batman versus Superman, and maybe I shouldn't be diving into the continuity. That's Do not it. my big criticism. It's not my big criticism. It, it, of the movie, it, ha- but it-, it has to have. It has to be connected to that. That has to be a criticism. And other people point that out, and I'm like, well, that's a very. It's not like it, it didn't. It didn't bother me too much. It's not like these people have iPhones or anything. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. But <laughs> if she went for the camera, then. Then uh, she was probably already on camera whipping the camera. I don't know. She's she's whipping around this whole mall. Like you're telling me, not only is, is the camera not on her, but then no one has seen her, and, t- and then she's a completely new person. No one has heard of in in 2015 or whenever Batman vs Superman came out. I don't know. Whatever. That's not my big criticism, but little things like that do bother me in, in the grander scope of things. And I'm not sure how we're supposed to even take this whole DCEU thing. Like, how is this different? I don't really understand. And maybe that's because it, they don't understand either what the difference is between like the DCU, like continuity between movies like Man of Steel to uh, to Justice League or uh, what have you, or to Batman vs Superman to, to Justice League. Because uh, even like even Aquaman, which I did like quite a bit. And I've watched that a, cu- a couple times, Ramzo style. I've watched it several times, and I, I actually enjoyed it every time. Again, Aquaman, I would say, like Wonder Woman, but differently because I liked Aquaman, is also not a great movie, but it's pretty good. It has a lot of good moments. It has it's? Well, you, what are your thoughts on Aquaman? How do you? How do you? How would you compare Aquaman to Wonder Woman? The first one or this one? There's only one. Well. Wait, wait, are, oh, are, one, are you talking eighty four? The first Wonder Woman. I thought it was. I, I mean, I, I thought Aquaman was was really good. I mean, I, I thought it, I thought it's better than what we've had. I'm a bit of a Batman versus Superman Donna Donna Justice apologist, but you know, my thing is I. I, I liked Aquaman because it was just genuinely an Aquaman film. And that's what my criticism of a lot of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films have been. It's that they all just feel like different flavors of Iron Man. You've got Captain America and Captain America First Avengers, kind of just Iron Man on steroids. Then you've got Ant-Man, Tiny Iron Man. Doctor Strange, Iron Man <laughs> on acid. Then you have Spider-Man, Iron Boy. Spider-Man, I- Iron Man. Iron, yeah. Yes, Iron Boy Jr. Doctor um, Iron Man on acid. That is, <laughs> hey that guys, is the best way to describe Doctor Strange. Have you ever seen... Iron Man on weed. That's basically what it would be like. So, if you're a bit of the astral realm, bro, <laughs> the astral plane, come on, man. We'll pull out your eye of Agamotto and show you new <sighs> worlds. But, like, you know, with, with Aquaman, Shazam, Wonder Woman, and Wonder Woman 84, like, they all feel like they're distinctively their own movies. And I, I mean, what they tried to do a little bit, what, what what concerned me about this film was that you had Patty Jenkins who actually wrote the script. She did not write the script for the first Wonder Woman. 
what what did yeah i mean what did make this film at least for me tolerable is that it had jeff johns writing it um here's the thing jeff johns writes good comics jeff johns i would not say is really consistent when it comes to films what other films did johns have a hand in writing green lantern Mm, i see yeah okay so Here's my issues. I have multiple issues besides the continuity things and how that fits in. That's just a minor thing that, that bothers me, but I guess whatever. I can get I can get over that if the rest of the movie is good, of course. I don't know what happened to to Gal Gadot. I don't know if it's just the script or if it's just how things were shot. I I found her atrocious in this. I actually really started to think like she's actually not a good actress. Like I, I, and I really liked her in the first one. So I don't want to just say it's her. But it sure felt like her. If I had never seen her act before, I would think she was some dumb model they taught to act. They taught to read read lines. Like, I, I really – her. she came across very disingenuous. Like, I, I couldn't believe anything she was saying. I couldn't believe her friendship with Kristen Wiig's character uh, just, like, came out of nowhere. And I, 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 it, it felt very inorganic to me. It's like suddenly they're, she's friends with this woman and now, oh, my God, she's betrayed her and, and, is, and is now the cheetah. Um, I, 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 I never got emotionally invested in this cheetah character. Like, you, and you agree with that criticism of Kristen Wiig? Like, and I, I was I was very open to the, the Kristen Wiig thing. I thought, oh, maybe I'll do something interesting to play a dorky, you know, ver- little dorky, funny girl. And but she wasn't even that. She wasn't even the Kristen Wiig that you would find the comedy from. She was actually just kind of boring, which is surprised me because I really like Kristen Wiig. I think she's a really funny, hilarious actress. Didn't seem like she was really even being her in this movie or even being unique enough to warrant having her as the role if if you weren't going to make her this weird quirky funny character uh maybe that's what they intended but that's not really what happened then give me Charlize Theron give me something give me someone badass you know give me an you give me a threat someone that seems like a threatening villain um then we get to the origin stories of both of them yes it's nothing related to the comics with either of their origins that's okay I guess uh I'm not saying that every movie has to you know be like the source material I don't know, be some, be reverential to it in some way, or else why not just create entirely new characters? Like the, the origin of Cheetah has hardly anything to do with it. Really nothing to do with the original thing. I mean, other than there's kind of a stone involved or something. Uh, and Maxwell Lord, that's completely made up. With, Again, with, Ma- I'm not- with Maxwell Lord, like let, let, let's talk about him for a second. Um, he completely well, different. He has a weird comic origin. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was so drastically different. The Maxwell Lord in the comics is not the one in the movie. I'll just blatantly say that at all. I mean, not even remote. The, uh, the name is the only comparison. Yeah, and he's rich. Maybe, but two things. you know, th- this one, I, I think if it was any other actor, I I would be more critical. I really like Pedro Pascal, and I thought him trying to be a flamboyant, evil, you know, business oil tycoon wannabe was kind of was was kind of a saving grace i kind of liked it because it was somewhat believable but basically maxwell lord uh he's basically in charge of a ponzi scheme and when his investors start to realize that none of the oil deeds that he uh has that basically grant him oil rights to land that all the you know pumps are coming up dry he basically has to resort to finding this mythological wishing stone made by an evil trickster god in order to basically save himself so it's really you know your generic evil rich guy wants to take over the world type of thing um that that you know i i could see it but i wish it was i my, my problem with the movie was that it you know for the characters it felt just a little a little bit too watered down and i guess for some people who just watch the movies and they never read the comics that may not have been that big of a deal but for me i was like you know as long as they could just make it seem consistent throughout the film beginning middle end i'll i'll forgive it 
I will say this. Pedro Pascal, you know, put aside that he's not Maxwell Lord at all, um, as his performance in that movie is my favorite part of the movie by far. Like, I, I don't I don't like what they did with that char- that character or why they even made it Maxwell Lord or how they did his powers, his powers, which are totally different. Like, in, in the comics, he kind of can, can control people's minds and kind of suggest them things that they, they end up, like, kind of doing, kind of like more like a mind control type thing. Uh, whereas here, he's just granting people wishes. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. It's it was weird. Uh but his his he put himself into this role like all the way. And he's an awesome actor, of course. Pedro Pascal is also the Mandalorian and he's an incredible actor and I by far the most entertaining part of this movie. I mean, the the fact that I I don't really enjoy the plot around it aside, I enjoyed his his you know how he put himself into that role and dived all the way in and was very over the top with the character uh as it was intended to be and I I did enjoy his performance just from an entertainment aspect. Uh, but how the whole story ties into the movie. And then, okay, so many things with this are forced. I didn't need Chris Pine in this movie. I, I, not that I, I wouldn't, okay, I hate I hate characters coming back at all that are supposed to have died in a regular way. I get the explanation. It was just that she made this one wish like six years later in the stone, didn't realize what it was doing. That's that's a fine enough explanation. Hey, question. What happened to the guy's soul of the body that he that he inhabited for those days? <laughs> what, what, what was that guy doing? What was okay, that guy up to? So, so I'm going I'm going to really praise it and then I'm going to launch into a big criticism which is kind of hard to ignore because I was watching Fat Man Beyond of Kevin Smith. I was watching uh, Friday Night Tights over on YouTube and they were they were addressing what I had been thinking after I saw it. Uh, but, you know, what I liked about this film is it, you know, I, I like the Amazing Spider-Man movies because I really like how things were between Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone, who were at the time a couple. I think their chemistry is what makes the characters actually feel likable. With Gal Gadot, I, I feel that immensely with Chris Pine, whereas I certainly don't feel it when she's on screen of like Ben Affleck or Henry Cavill. There's something about her and Chris Pine. They really kind of feed off each other. And when she's introducing him to like the Metro and everything, it's so funny. They filmed at the Clarendon Metro, the Metro scene where he's seeing what that's like with escalators and stuff. That's about 30 minutes away from my house. And as she's taken him to the Smithsonian and stuff, I really liked that man out of time thing. And Chris Pine, like when he's looking at the space shuttle and stuff, I'm just looking at this. I'm like, this is so cool. This is how I think somebody would act when they've been brought back in a strange new world. That's my some of my criticism with uh, Captain America in phase one of the MCU. I feel like even though they, they address it more so in Avengers versus like Captain America Winter Soldier, that man out of time element is what really makes it more special and I feel like Steve Trevor does that better in these films than over there so I loved I loved having Chris Pine back uh, when he eventually has to you know she has to rescind her wish to get her powers back because for him to be alive in that, in that other guy's body she has to lose her powers it made it feel tragic like that scene where she learns to fly and everything and she's trying to let go of this so that way she oh, can yeah. save the day Oh yeah, thanks for reminding me about the scene where she learns to fly because Chris Pratt told her that flying Chris is Pine. just about feel Oh, did I call him Chris Pratt? I'm yeah. sorry. I love Chris Pratt. I had nothing against Chris Pine either, but I, I just didn't Okay, it's not that I don't think yeah, if they have a little bit of chemistry on screen, I, I'm into that. And I'm okay with this idea of oh, he just showed up in the eighties and doesn't know what's going on. I could do a little montage of that. 
I could do a two-minute montage of that. This is 30 minutes of the movie, Remzo. It doesn't, this is the part it, we're leaving here's out. the thing, though. You say it's 30, you say minutes, it's 30, you say it's 30 minutes. It doesn't feel like 30 minutes. People keep playing. Okay, oh, this, you're right. This, it felt like an movie, hour to me. This movie is so long. It's like there are enough long movies. I've, I saw – okay, you want to – I'm not against long you, movies. You want, you, want, you, want, you want to hear something that will actually probably bother you? you know how many times I saw Tenet in theaters? I still haven't seen it yet. I've seen it five times. Well, I can't judge you on that because I haven't seen it. If it's really awesome, you know. Tenet felt like a long movie, and it was a long movie. This did not feel like a long movie, at least in my opinion. So that 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 is my that is my positive comment on Gal Gadot, Chris Pine. Here, here's... I felt like it. It really, really felt like it dragged and dragged to me. I have no issues with long movies. Uh, I love long movies as long as they're keeping me engaged. I just found myself thinking, like, when is this? When are we going to move on to a, a superhero movie? Like, this is thirty minutes of of oh, Chris Pine's in the eighties. What's happening? Oh, trains are escalators are here. What is an escalator? I'm okay with a month. This is so long that that segment. Like, it wasn't a segment. It was like it was like a third of the movie. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not I, really. I want to know how like, many tax credits Virginia gave to film this movie here. A bit, all of them, all of them. I, um, uh, I remember one time during this scene, I'm like, I have been going on and on. I call it a scene, but it's not a scene. It's like a whole segment of the movie going on and on and on. And then finally, I, I said something about it. And I, I'm, I'm ranting. I'm like, I can't believe this is still going on. It's been going on for so long. And I, I go on this like five minute rant about it. And at the end of that rant, I'm like, it's going on so long that it's still going on while I'm complaining about how long it's been going on. <laughs> so I, I just felt that was way too much. I way, way, way too much detracting from a soup. What I tuned in for, which is a superhero movie from that first scene where Wonder Woman like takes the criminals in the mall and stops them from stealing the thing. There's, I looked at the freaking clock. There's, there's like an hour and something, 20 minutes before you even see any hint that she's Wonder Woman again. Like there, there's, there's no superhero action in the movie. And I'm, I'm actually one of these people that actually gets bored at a lot of the action scenes in superhero movies. You know, they tend to, to go on too long. Uh, they tend to, you know, be like, for like in Man of Steel, for example. Um, and, um, you know, that, that went on for like 40 minutes or so, and I kept, you know, I, I was like, okay, can we just end this? Can we just get on to the, the movie and the plot? And the, This is the opposite, though. I was like craving action scenes. I'm like, where is it? Can I have like any stamp? Can I? Can someone remind me that there's a superhero movie going on here? Um, and it just it just never seemed to happen. And even when it did, like the big scene is uh, her being heroic. Uh, there's her flying around, learning to fly. Let's go back to learning to fly. This is all based yeah, on that, one line was, Chris Pratt says. That kind of weird. Because he's a pilot, and he just says like, "Oh, flying is just about letting the letting the wind take you," and and blah blah blah. And uh, then uh, then suddenly suddenly she like in a later scene she's remembering him say this, and she's just like floating off and floating around and and remembering his voice, and he's like, "Oh yeah, it's just letting it." And, and now Wonder Woman can fly. That's the explanation. I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, that that part was kind of weird, and I thought that that was uh, that was pretty unnecessary because the, the next time we see her do anything tied to flying is when she's in the the golden armor of the wings and it's like if you want to show a flying montage at least do it where it makes somewhat sense when she has her arms out and she's listening to chris pine's voice and stuff that that is kind of weird but you know I, I i will forgive it i will forgive it what i cannot forgive is how they brought chris pine back and i read uh some leaks for the script about a year ago and th- this is what concerns me where basically after she after Diana wishes to be back with Steve Trevor instead of just bringing him back or even making him like zombie Steve, like actually rip out of the grave or something. They basically put his soul in some other guy's body and we get no explanation for that at all. But, you know, the world sees the dude, but she sees Chris Pine and 
you know, as soon Which as... Which is a fine enough... It's a, at least a fine enough explanation as far as comic book movies and, comic, and because comics logic goes. Uh, at least it wasn't really Chris Pine and his body after dying. There is at least that, because that would have really bothered Yeah, me. but this is where things for me got kind of, you know, I hope they address this. They immediately head back to Chris Pine's place and start getting it on like it's prom night. Did, did Wonder Woman rape that man? <laughs> well, he was not in control of his body. So I guess because there's a because later at the end of the movie, you like, you know, and we know throughout like he's looking in the mirror, he's seeing it's not him. He's looking at his pictures and, he's, you know, it's not him, but he's controlling his body. He's in there. So who is this guy? That's what I'm saying. Who is this guy? They don't, they and, don't even know, give a name. They don't even give a I name. I probably wouldn't complain if I found out I had slept with Gal Gadot, I guess. I guess I'd be I would be sad that I didn't remember it. But, yeah, I mean, it, I I do feel his bodily rights were were violated here, Remso. Yes, that that is what that is what bothered me because you, I mean you, you've already confirmed that th- that Chris Pine has basically hijacked this man's body and uh, Wonder Woman's literally taken him for a ride and then at the end of the film where you know Chris Pine goes back to being dead and you know Wonder it's ironic because the film came out on Christmas Day and the last scene is you know Christmas in Georgetown I guess and then you see the guy walk out and he's like wow it's so beautiful and Wonder Woman and him have a have a quick chat and you know he says oh I'll catch you around and she smiles knowing that that was the guy who Steve was in and it's like you know in that moment we've been like hey dude we met before and remember <laughs> that like three week period where you blacked out or something yeah <laughs> we we need to talk about that and that's one of those moments where it's like if they if you had told me that at that scene gal uh, you know wonder woman is going to start seeing this new man because she's moved on she's allowing herself to love again they obviously have some chemistry already that would have been cool that part for me just felt really weird I thought that's where they were going to go with it. They were going to kind of hit it off and he was going to have like, oh, do I know you kind of thing? And then they were going to like each other. But no, he just walks away and she's like, yeah, I hit that. She's just like smiling as he walks away creepily. Uh, Imagine if the gender roles were reversed here in this film. I mean, imagine. Well, yeah, I mean, it it goes off to like, I think someone calls it the pretty person privilege. If the guy woke up next to Gal Gadot, awesome. He, He turns around. It's Amy Schumer. Help me. So, you know, it was one of those things. But what, what I did like was when they when they use the action, I feel like it did matter. Uh, even though you don't see her in her Wonder Woman garb for a majority of the film, not doing actual action stuff. When the action does come, it feels like, you know, they, they've built up some anticipation. Like when they go to Egypt and they have to find uh, Maxwell Lord and the convoy of, you know, all the soldiers whose minds he's controlling now and stuff. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, with, That's the thing. He's not controlling their mind. Well, I guess he sort of is by by the fact that he's granting wishes to others. And if the if the wishes of one person is for him to have, you know, this whole thing, then that's I guess it, it was the cost. So, yeah, I mean, they work for him now. So like that scene was pretty cool. You see it in the movie. I'm sorry. You see it in the commercials where, you know, she she like launches a, a APC or something and then she's flying and then she's about to go you know, mess up some other Humvees and stuff. Like I thought, I thought it was pretty cool. The action for me felt deliberate. I even liked the scene of Cheetah. A lot of people were complaining that the fight scene of Cheetah was too fast. Um, I like, I mean, when she really becomes when Cheetah, she like re- all the way. Yeah. When she really becomes Cheetah. Yeah, Cause first she just becomes strong. Cause she just kind of wishes to be strong and she just goes to the gym and, and lifts and then gets into a later has a confrontation with wonder woman the first time, but then she makes, a, she's on the plane with Maxwell well Lord and makes, and then he basically like, urges her to make this other wish that actually turns her into she's like, I want to be strong and fast and blah, blah, blah. And then she really becomes the cheetah. 
Yeah, and I mean, th- this was another moment where it's like, I how how that happened. There, there's no illusion. There's no cheetah metaphors. It's not Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman where you can. There's no reason behind her being a cheetah. Yeah, there, it just at all. Like in the comics, there is a connection to a, a cheetah god and blah blah blah. There's no. It's just because she's a, wants to be fast and strong, and so are, uh, cheetahs are like that. So now she's a cheetah. I guess. Yeah. So that that happens. That was weird. But you know, it, you know, with this movie, here, here's how it is. For that me. happens. That was weird. Should be the tagline for the <laughs> it, it goes up that goes down that goes up that goes down so like there's enough for me to say you know i'll watch it again which i did i saw it three times this past week yeah you again you low you expectations but you know it's moments <laughs> like that where it's like they they really kind of I can give you a phone number remzo if you need some somebody to talk to <laughs> personally. I just... It, it just it just felt like there were many moments where they really could have seized on it and then they don't uh you know they don't seize on explaining the whole cheetah connection stuff like that but then the cheetah wonder woman fight scene on the island of the big satellite and shit like that was actually i thought the fight scene was cool other people are like that oh. was that was the fight scene that was the only fight scene they, <laughs> what they, fight? They, they fight they fight again okay, there's there's a whole scene where they're in the convoy yeah. where they're like but I, I like the convoy scene i thought the convoy scene was pretty cool especially when they do the old linda carter like running like na 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 you know like that one where it looks like it's obviously in front of a green screen that was mm. i thought that was kind of a, a cool throwback well speaking of what did you think of the post credits scene there I am so in love with Linda Carter. She could play oh, she's, any she's she could play any character ever, and I will still love and her. We warned you about spoilers, folks, so don't be. That, that was my favorite part of the whole movie. I, I, I'm dead serious. That was my favorite part of the. I popped for that for that <laughs> post credit scene more than any any single part of that entire film. So in the in the movie, uh, as you saw in the commercials, Diana gets this golden armor of these golden wings. Uh, the legend is in the film that it belonged to a Amazon warrior named uh, Asteria. And Asteria was given the armor of all the Amazonian women to create that giant golden armor to keep off the hordes of barbarian men as the Amazonians escaped to Themyscira. And that when... Uh, Wonder Woman is banned from Themyscira in the first film. What she did between then and 1984, she tried to find uh, not only the armor, but she tried to find this other Amazon. So at least that way she could know that there's another Amazonian out there. And at the very end of the film, uh, they show an after credit scene where Linda Carter plays Asteria. And she is as radiant and amazing as you would think. Absolutely. So do we think that this is... Uh do you think that that was just a little fan service for us? Or do you think that that's this is actually going to lead to her being in the next movie? Oh, it's, it's absolutely leading her to coming back. Because think about it uh, with the DC extended universe. The thing that they're really trying to go Can with. Can you take a, a 30 second crack at explaining what the DC extended universe and what the word extended means as opposed to just DC universe? What it basically means is that DC is, you know, with Warner brothers who owns DC comics and uh, everything else. Uh, with with Warner Brothers, they're going to continue to make movies off of DC properties, but they don't necessarily have to be tied to canon. So that means they could recast people. That means they could have uh, multiple films that may or may not connect. It basically means that they're they're not going to be confined to the to the MCU formula, which has worked for them. And they tried to do but it. This is this is describing all DC films. Essentially. Yeah, it's it's like why you can have uh, you know the Joker movie, which obviously has nothing to do with Jared Leto from Suicide Squad, or why we're having uh, uh, Ben Affleck Batman come back in uh, fl- the Flashpoint movie, whatever they end up calling it, and we still have Robert Pattinson in the Batman. Uh, with with Linda Carter, you know, let's think about it. She was the original Wonder Woman. She then played the president 
in Supergirl, and now she is Asteria. So what they're basically saying is that all these things do matter and that all these people are brought back. And when they're mentioned, it's because they have a good reason. And the one thing that came out of this is that Wonder Woman actually made bank this weekend. I think on Friday alone, they made like you know $85 million. I don't know if that just includes box office sales or if it also includes new HBO Max subscriptions. So look, look into that if you will. But I they, mean, considering there's no theaters in California, that's already a huge chunk of people. And I bought, and I bought, couldn't have seen I bought it. two tickets. So, I mean, it's obviously <laughs> inflated, but uh, they already fast tracked uh, production and scripting for Wonder Woman 3. So obviously, oh, any worse. So. so I mean, I I think I think uh, you know this is going to be a property that we're going to see for a while. And really, you know, Wonder Woman has ended up being kind of like the linchpin for these DC movies. They wanted it to be Superman, but now obviously, if things have turned, it's Wonder Woman. So they want to keep it going. I mean, I think that's clear. She, she's definitely the most developed character, the best recept. I think the best received movie besides maybe the original Man of Steel. I mean, the original Wonder Woman. And justifiably so. The original Wonder Woman is a great superhero movie, which is perhaps why I was even more disappointed by this sort of lackluster showing that I think even you would admit was nowhere near as good no, as the first nowhere, one. Nowhere near as the first one. I mean, he, here's the thing. Uh, it felt very Iron Man 2-ish. Iron Man yeah, 2 for me. That is not a compliment. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Iron Man 2 is the worst. But I don't hate Iron Man 2. I mean, I don't love it, but I... I can watch it. I feel I, I, don't, I can't. I can't picture turning. This it, it's str- really it's can't. struggling sequel syndrome. When you try and have a sequel that has a wholly original story, it usually is is kind of tough. And you know, what I, I will say the MCU did, which uh, you know, in some of their recent films, they they kind of went away from, uh, which is obviously something the DC universe films have never done, is that they they try and put their characters in genres, like Captain America: The First Avenger is great it's a great captain america movie it's also a world war ii movie then you've got winter soldier which is a 1970s espionage thriller then you've got uh civil war which is really kind of a whodunit suspense film with action and then for for some of the other films i mean they they really try and do it ant-man's a heist film thor's mythological and stuff uh and then when you go into thor ragnarok it's a it's a space opera basically uh with with uh, with Wonder Woman, it was good because they're like, let's take the story, but let's make it a World War One film. With this one, you know, I, I feel and I, I think Kevin Smith brought this up. They could have called it anything else. It could have been taken place at any other time, and the story still could have stayed the same. Because why 1984? Why not call it Wonder Woman 2016 or something like that? That was my one criticism, and I will say that I, I commend them for not going on what people wanted them to do, which is get a whole bunch of 80s playlist songs and just make it like that where it's just a whole bunch of filler you know prince madonna that's you know duran duran mm-hmm. uh that that's what i think the the guardians films kind of lean on too much they kind of lean on too much of that oh look it's it's going to have all these songs and stuff and then it tries to distract from the story i love the guardians films but that's one thing where i think they they, they lean too heavily on it whereas with wonder woman i think yeah it's gonna be an 80s film but it's just not gonna be wonder woman in the 80s it's a story that takes place no in the it's 80s. gonna be 30 minutes of Chris Pine learning about the 80s. <laughs> he could do whatever he wants. I thought he did good. But yeah, so I mean, no, that's, he, he did fine in the role. I have no complaints about Chris Pine himself. Yeah, but I mean, that that's where that that's where it kind of begins to feel like this. It just feels flat. 
like all the wonder, no pun intended, that you had in the first Wonder Woman movie uh, is flat. Like the fight scene where she actually steps out into no man's land and she goes straight up Wolverine, Captain America on those on those bad guys. Like that was fucking awesome. You're not going to see a scene like that in this movie. And that's where it's like, you know, Patty Jenkins wanted so much time to talk about, you know, who, who's the real bad guy in the film. It's all it's all the just all the drunk white guys hanging out in the dark in D.C. It's like you could have you could have made Max. Lord be a bigger villain. He doesn't feel like a real bad guy. He just feels well, especially yeah. this this part hasn't come up yet. There's this whole thing with his son, this kid that his son that he has like partial custody of, and then his son wishes that he just had his dad back. And then at the end, somehow Maxwell Lord, I'll just tell you how the it ends. Wonder Woman's like everyone has to has to renounce their wish. Like everyone, this is another thing that bothered me. This whole thing at the end, everyone has to renounce their wish. Like everyone that had one of these wishes granted has to renounce it to to make everything back to how it was or something like that. Uh, so Maxwell Lord is like doing a broadcast to the world uh, from this like military facility that takes over every radio station in the world, every TV station in the world. And he's, he's asking everyone to make their wishes, you know, uh, that's why he's doing it. But wonder woman, it's really confusing to me. Cause I never do the lasso of truth did this. She's giving this speech, like why to give up her, to renounce her, the wish and, and whatever. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. Ha ha ha. And she's like, I wasn't talking to you. And you realize that she's holding the lasso on him. And we're meant to believe that she has somehow been broadcasting this message through Maxwell Lord. I can, Maxwell I can Lord. explain that, though. Please. Because as he's still connected to the broadcast, which has taken over everyone's stuff, right? everyone, that part I everyone that has a wish is connected to him. That's how, without having to ask anything, he knows what her wish was. He knows what her motivation was. That's why he's teasing her about uh, Steve Trevor, because at that point, she has renounced her wish. Steve Trevor is, going, is you know dead again. So through making himself the stone, he actually has a connection to everyone that has made the wish. Yeah, while he's especially while he's doing the broadcast. So the broadcast. Okay, but that's not my the, question. The, my question is, how I, does Wonder I, Woman? using the okay, I can sorry, explain sorry. so I, I'm getting you out. know he he needed the satellite dish to get connected to everyone they've made a wish now they're connected to him the stone so that okay. way when um, cool. when she lassoed his ankle and he didn't realize it, he was talking, he was just telling people the truth, which is he didn't do this to help them. He's not doing this because he's a good person. He's doing it because he wants to rule the world. So as this is going on, as the truth is you know, basically flowing through him and now they could, you know, really feel this part. That's what lets them know, oh man, this is really, really bad. Could it have well, been that's actually kind of could it have been explained yeah. better? Probably. But that, yes, that, I didn't get that, that was not the part in the film that bothered me. What bothered me was the MacGuffin, which is the fact that we're just dealing with a magic seeing stone, you know, magic wishing stone like that. That for me it's like, okay, I really hope yeah. that this this plays into it a little bit more and it it really, uh, you know, it really didn't. I'm glad that they got rid of it and it wasn't just a, oh, find the stone type of story. I feel like a lot of well, yeah. the Marvel films kind of lean on that. So if anything, it's like I commend this for not trying to be an MCU sequel, for it trying to be a, you know, at least a somewhat, somewhat original, self-contained standalone story. And I think that's really hard to do because if this came out 10 years ago, I think we would have very different opinions 
compared to what we have seen since. I mean, we live in the world post-Endgame. All films are going to to be compared to those Marvel movies. And that was the criticism with uh, with all the other uh, uh, DC films. That's why when, you know, when Batman and Superman were together, people were like expecting like a buddy cop comedy. And the thing is, it's not. So even though fans, you know, fans of the material who know the, the work and stuff like that, they're like, yeah, this is pretty accurate. Everyone else was like, well, I want to see them cracking jokes and shit. Yeah, so my other issue with that ending there where everyone has to renounce their wish and I get they do so because they've learned the truth and what have you. You're not, you're telling me there's not one guy out there that's not that's not going to renounce his wish. The one guy that just got a Porsche and he's like, "Whatever, I don't care." Well, there's not one guy. I know. It's a little point, but it's just one of those things like, "Come on. That's that's not really going to that's not how the world works. You know, everyone's not going to renounce their wish if they made some wish and got this awesome thing and whatever." Okay, fine. I'm over it. I'm over the whole thing. I'm over being upset about it. I, I think it is, as you say, um, sort of a product of expectations, like you said, between the, all the great, amazing movies we've had over the years. Um, but I don't think that gets... I'm not going to let it off the hook just because of that either. This movie did not keep my attention. It, 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 I was bored. I was waiting for it to end. And I was really trying to be engaged in it. I came in with really wanting to be engaged in it. But I just found myself sitting around waiting a lot. I found myself sitting around waiting for Chris Pratt to be amazed by fireworks or like uh, escalators and just get me to some kind of superhero story. And I just never felt it. And I never felt anything about the connection between Diana and, and uh, Barbara and becoming the cheetah. That just, it seemed like here she is. She's a cheetah. We got the cheetah now. Oh, make a wish. You're cheetah. Maxwell Ward, make it. It's all about the stone. And I just, the, the plot didn't drive me. The characters didn't drive me. It felt so flat to me. Here's what I want to ask you, Remzo. Let's go through some DC movies and maybe some Marvel movies and see if there's which ones you'd rather watch than Wonder or which ones you'd rather watch Wonder Woman 1984 than. Mm, okay, shoot. Aquaman. I'd rather watch Aquaman. Shazam. We know that because it's your favorite. Yeah, Shazam. Batman versus Superman. <laughs> not sure about this one. Director's Cut. Oh, I, uh, that's I'm fifty fifty on that. I can't I can't decide. Wow, really? Yeah. Really? I'll say I'll say that one's a tie. I mean that movie has its problems, but I'd rather watch it for sure because it's it's much more. There's more going on. It's more entertaining. You know, he, here's what I'll say. I I did actually watch uh, uh, BVS Dawn of Justice the other night. The the real cut, the 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 mm-hmm. Snyder version yeah. on HBO Max, and I I uh, I did enjoy it more. It's uh, the the director's cut is better. Oh, the director's cut is an infinitely better movie. Yeah. There's still things that don't quite connect right, and there's still Martha, Martha, which is just driven me crazy since the day I thought saw the movie in the theaters. But <laughs> I thought that I thought that I, part I made sense. I thought, oh, now uh, it's all now it's all merging. I can't let it go. <laughs> I can't let it go. Like, oh, oh, Martha. Oh, I, I. Why did you say Martha? Your mom's name is Martha. I know his name's Martha. You have a mom. I have a mom. <laughs> we have moms. We should be friends. Like, this. <laughs> like, come on, man. Okay, on. I'll, I'll say, I'll say this, but it has to be the director's cut. Okay, what about Justice League? Wonder Woman eighty four. Wow. I mean, I don't think Justice League is is is. I have a ton of problems with that movie, but it's so much more entertaining. I, I would watch that a thousand times over before I watch this again. A thousand. A 
thousand, a thousand, a thousand. I can't wait for the Snyder Cut. Oh my gosh, and maybe yes. we can kind of get off this and move into some things that we are looking forward to in 2021. Because um, I don't think we're getting another Wonder Woman movie, thank God. So not this year. So, uh, well, should we give this? Uh, we have never really rated a movie Mark and Remzo style before. Should we? Should we make a take a stab at this? <sighs> okay. Let's say let's say five stars. Let's let's okay, do that. Five star system. Yeah, so we're not gonna, yeah, there's no art and we're just gonna rate it all as, as a movie. Uh, you know, because ultimately everything has to come together. Movies are more complicated than comics in some ways. I'll give this a two and a half. Like it's just I see. This is what's funny. We're not that far off because <laughs> I, I mean, I I don't want to give it a one because that's just like look, it's not. I've seen really bad movies in my day. This is at least this has production quality. A one, a one has, is like, like Sam. A, a one is like Samurai Cop, which you can watch That's on what, Amazon yeah, Prime. I, With this one, you I, know, I can't justify I, that. I give, that a, would be... I give a majority of movies pretty pretty low ball scores, but it doesn't mean I don't like it. It doesn't mean I don't like them. It just means that you know, like I would give like a Dark Knight like a five. I would give like a Samurai Cop a one. But then again, I'll still watch Samurai Cop because it's a bad funny movie to watch with this one i'll give it a two and a half but then again i also give a majority of the marvel films two and a halves so you know my thing is can i watch it again yeah i'll watch it again uh you know there there are very few movies where it's like if i'm giving it a one that means i saw it once i have no urge to see it again like uh suicide squad i'll give it a one i'm gonna give it a two because it is a it's a well-made movie. I can't like, you know, I can't, I don't like it, but I can, I can't give it like a one because that would mean it didn't even have like a redeeming qualities, which it does. Uh, it has good acting from Pedro Pascal and, and Chris Pine. I, I think are the highlights of it to me. Um, so I, I, but I feel, I still feel like it's generous too. I feel like that, that feels a little too high for me. I'm going to, I'm going to leave it at a two. So maybe we're not that far off in how we see the movie. Maybe what we're far off in is just how we view movies sometimes. Like, I want to love a movie, and you don't need to. <laughs> you can watch a movie three times that you don't think is that great because of maybe you find more redeeming qualities, and that's enough for you. Yeah, like I, I okay. would give, I would give like Batman and Robin a one. I, oh, I yeah. would I give, mean, okay. yeah, I would give like Batman Forever as atrocious of a film that is. I would give that too because I've watched it off and on. I over like the Batman years. Forever. Yeah, it's a funny, it's, bad, it's a funny but movie. I like it. It's rewatchable. My thing is if Jim Carrey alone is worth watching that movie. I mean, it, it's 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 entertaining. It's cheesy and corny and the plot's stupid and there's bad acting all over it. But Jim Carrey as the Riddler as absurd and fun and it's it's entertaining. I can enjoy watching the movie. Yeah. Here's the thing though. I can this is why okay, I, I might give Batman Forever a 2 also, but it's a different kind of two. Like I, I, I would want to watch that. I want to watch that movie again. It's it's enjoyable to watch for a lot of reasons. The campiness or what have you. I don't get that that joy out of Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. I don't know. Maybe this will change. Maybe in ten years I'll watch it and I'll view it differently. But right now it's a I don't know. It's a bad two. Whereas Batman Forever is a a good two, a rewatchable two. Yeah. So my mm-hmm. my thing is, would I watch this again? Probably. Uh, well, you already watched it three yeah, times. I, mean, so I think you proved. Yeah. I mean, I, I, put, I, put, I you know I, I'm pretty sure I contributed to those ticket sales on Friday. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just one of those things. I, I think th- this is the problem with the with with Warner Brothers and DC. They don't know what they want to do. And where I can at least commend Wonder Woman eighty four is they're not just trying to be like every other film that comes out. I think uh, you know Patty Jenkins. She's getting a a, a Star Wars uh, film about Tie Fighter pilots. I think that's going to be really cool. Uh, I th- if she's directing it, I'm down. If she's writing it after this. I'm not so sure. So here's the cool thing about it. She wanted to write 
a film about World War II pilots based off her father or grandfather who was a Navy fighter pilot who died in action. And she couldn't get anyone to want to do it because there's just not that big push for World War II fighter pilot films, I guess. So what she basically did was she pitched it, but she reworked it to make sense in terms of Star Wars. And they were like, this is going to be really cool. So she's writing that. She's directing that. I think it's got kind of a Red Tails vibe to it. I'll watch that. I think, you know, I, I and nobody... Nobody, you know, you this he's a writer that you either love or hate. Jeff Johns, uh, a lot of people are like, oh, well, Patty Jenkins wrote this one, and uh, it was, uh, you know, she she's the one who ruined it. I, th- I think my problem is more of Jeff Johns because Jeff Johns, when it comes to movies, and he's done some of the TV shows and stuff, when he tries to translate stuff from the panels to the screen. It doesn't work out. Like I will say that Green Lantern is very authentic to the Green Lantern comics. And I'm not personally a big Green Lantern fan. I'll watch the HBO series, of course. I liked the animated Green Lantern that came out when I was in middle school. But the Guy Gardner, baby. Uh sure, bull cut. So, you know, when 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 he did Green Lantern, yes, is it authentic to the comics? Pretty much. But was it a good movie? No, uh, that does not have that rewatchability factor. I would give Green Lantern a one. I have like I just don't want to watch it again. And, no, it's not a good film. Yeah, I and, and I think I think Jeff Johns, who's who's really kind of in charge of you know on screen uh, DC Entertainment, I think he should stick with comics. I think that's safe to say because. If my examples of his films are Green Lantern and Wonder Woman 84, uh, it's hard to believe it's the same person that write, can write such amazing superhero stories and comics. It's really hard to believe. Yeah, and I, I mean... But who knows? It's like writing and produce. I mean, there's so much that goes on in Hollywood film. Somebody can be the writer, and it can be hardly representative of what they're trying to put out there. So it really is hard to judge judge those things. Yeah, I mean, let's also be honest. They didn't bring Chris... Chris Pine back because Steve Trevor is just so important to this. The film could have been something no, without him. Clearly. They did it because they want to hit that female demographic right. who wants they want to... a dreamy, handsome guy. Yeah. And I mean, I, I get it. You've got to make those decisions for these. Hire films. Ryan Reynolds. Then you don't need Chris Pine again. You can get another, another dreamy, dreamy fellow. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like Jeff Johns. I think he deserves more of the blame on this than he's getting. Uh, do I think that Patty Jenkins is a great writer? No, I haven't seen enough of her stuff to come to an opinion. I think she's a good director, but I also think that she's been getting hit too much on this and that Jeff Johns, who we've seen, has just not been able to nail these these on screen adaptations of characters. I, I, I see more of his writing on the wall than I do hers. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So, yeah, I think that's all I have to say about Wonder Woman. I think an hour of ranting about this is good for me. But uh, uh, I mentioned the Snyder Cut earlier this coming this year. Why don't we wrap wrap up by just talking about some things that we are looking forward to coming here in 2021. We can start kind of dovetailing from this into what's going on. We, I, I, I know there's been this announcement about the DCEU and what they plan to put out. I don't know how much of that we're going to see next year. Uh, I know we are going to see the Green Lantern series. We are going to see uh, the Snyder Cut of the Justice League. Uh, what else? What else are we looking for? Uh, we should be getting Doom Patrol Season 3 and Titans Season 3. I've never seen – I did watch a little bit of Titans because I had about a week trial of, uh, of uh, DCU. Yeah, you can give um, up on I that. I never did watch it. basically dead. Yeah, it's all on HBO Max anyway. I mean we're getting season, uh, season 3 of the Harley Quinn show. Like DC, the DC films on screen might not be everyone's cup of tea, but DC on TV owns it. 
they own it in a way that Marvel has just not been able to do it. And you see it from the Arrowverse shows to the cartoons. I mean, these people are bringing home Emmys and all these awards. The HBO Max exclusive stuff we're seeing, I, I think, is going to be absolutely killer. I think it's you know really going into 2021 for the big streaming wars. It's going to be where the superheroes are and where the superheroes going to be. They're going to be on Disney Plus and they're going to be on HBO Max. I feel bad for Netflix because they're stuck with uh, – uh, you know, Umbrella Academy, and apparently Mark Millar is trying to build up their superhero universe based off some of his independent titles. I don't really see that working as much because in the past it hasn't really. But uh, you know, with with Green Lantern itself, you know, some some of these stories, especially if Jeff Johns on there, I think if you give him more time to work these things out, it's better because he he has a lot of his feet in the DC shows, and those are shows that bring in the the viewers and the ratings so you know i think uh i think what we're gonna see a lot of or a lot of uh uh you know spinoffs based off characters that we're gonna see in the films we're getting a peacemaker tv show with john cena on now HBO that looks Max. fun that is I mean, gonna maybe be because hilarious. i'm a john cena mark but yeah i can't wait for that yeah so i mean i think i think uh in 2021 it's gonna be a lot of pitching for who's gonna win streaming i think disney just by the sheer numbers they own for they own the freaking streaming market at this point and the value from disney is out of this world i I mean, if it, HBO Max has amazing stuff on there, but it's for fifteen dollars a month. You're getting at Disney Plus for six bucks less yeah. if you do one of those annual subscriptions. I mean, that's the value you get from, especially with everything coming down the pike from them, with no indication that they have any intention to raise the price anytime soon. I'm sure eventually, of course, that will happen. But uh, I mean, you've got ten new Star Wars series in development. You've got a ton of uh, Marvel stuff coming. You've got WandaVision coming uh, next year. You've got uh, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier coming next year. And there's there's a lot to be excited about with Disney Plus. And when you compare the six bucks of that to what you're going to pay at next. Netflix is like 16 bucks now for, for Netflix or for HBO. I mean, the value of Disney Plus, it's hard to beat right now. Here's the one criticism I have, and it's not from the, the monetary point. It's that there, Disney, I see them having to deal with the problem that, you know, the Lucasfilm Star Wars films had to do with. It's trying to really figure out who is our primary audience because you know i was the audience i'm i was the kid sitting in theaters for iron man and i've grown up with the mcu and now we're having like a million different tv shows and a million more movies now i think they're getting to the point where it's got to kind of be solvent whereas you have to if, if you want to be a new person for people who are now growing up now 10 years from now if they want to get into this stuff they have a whole giant backlog am i am i saying it's that difficult no it's just watch a bunch of movies and just you know do do a little bit of google um, I, I see Disney running into that, especially with what they're doing with all these different shows. You've got Armor Wars. You've got Secret Invasion. Like even I'm a bit like, OK, how are they going to juggle all this? Because all these shows connect and all these shows tie into films. And now we're getting into the point where we're getting into the 30s in terms of the number of different series all connected to the same universe. I see DC through their extended model where it's like the multiverse, everything matters and stuff like that. It's gonna, it, 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 they have more room to kind of bring on new people who aren't as intimidated because they're focusing really now on just good standalone stories. Um, you know, uh, you know, with Marvel, they're they're even gonna become more complicated because they're getting their own multiverse. And you know, we spoke in a Patreon uh, potpourri episode about my my criticisms of where I think they're going with the Spider Verse and stuff. The fact that they're putting out so much connected stuff, and now we're dealing with so many other stuff with what if style stuff. Uh, 
uh, I think that Warner Brothers just focusing on just good quality single standalone stories, Joker, the Batman, stuff like that. I think they're going to – they're going to not only get more in terms of accolades, I think they're going to be less intimidating for people who like the superhero genre but feel that it's incredibly intimidating. And it used to be that the comic books were hard to get into. Now I'm having people saying, I don't want to watch this upcoming Marvel film because I didn't see the last five and I don't want to watch all five of those just to understand one movie. Yeah, I mean at this point – I mean. I've been watching these Marvel films from the beginning and they tell such a cohesive story throughout like 23 films. It's incredible how they do it. But if I was someone who just now is hearing about them, I mean, as someone who is kind of a completist, like I want to know everything about, about something if I'm getting into a new series or a new book or what have you. Uh, and that's what can be intimidating about, you know, a comic book that's an issue for something. It's like, Oh geez, what there's this whole history there. I have to dive into this whole history. Uh, whereas, you know, that's one thing that appealed to me. I, I've talked about this a few times when, when I was uh, a kid, like I would always get into comics that were new that were starting from an issue one. Cause they'd be like, okay, this is something I can make my own. I can follow this from the beginning. So I'd follow series from the beginning, even if they weren't, that great, but I, I enjoy them because they were mine, you know, like Savage Dragon, which is which I think is great, but I follow like Doom 2099, Thunderstrike because they started at issue one, and I could start and I could pick up a new story from the beginning, and that is really hard to do now with the MCU. Um, you know, I, I think they do a pretty good job of making their films feel, well, I, that's definitely not the case of like Infinity War or Endgame, but a lot of their fi- films you can come in standalone. I mean, like Black Panther, you can you can pick up cold. And I think they will do a pretty good job of that with other films going forward. But I can see how it would be intimidating for a Marvel fan or someone that is interested in these movies, but, you know, sees like there's 23 films uh, that, that came before this and now there's all these series and do they need to know everything from the series to know the films? Or do, they need, do they need to know the films to know what's going on in the series? Um, but I know everything, so I, I'm, I'm in because I'm going to nerd out on the whole thing. Here's my crux, though. You will not be able to make me watch Ironheart. It doesn't. I have. Yeah, I. It's going to be a tough sell. Yeah, I am. I am not. I'm just going to say it right now, and fans can hold me, and listeners can hold me to it. I'm not watching. Iron so, Heart. what do you have against black teenage girls? What's the problem here? We need to get this out. Oh, I think they're awesome. I think <laughs> Ironheart freaking sucks. Riri Williams yeah. is the most canned, condescending bullshit character I think Marvel has ever created. And I, I, I say, a very uninteresting. And character. I say this as somebody who loves Miles Morales, who has come around to liking Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel. You cannot make me like Ironheart. Why? Because whenever Ironheart comes anywhere, the lectures you have to like it. You have to like it. And it's like fuck you. I don't like it. It sucks. And there's nothing compelling about the character. And maybe they'll do. Maybe they will do something compelling in like the kill series her. or something. <laughs> wow. One and done. <laughs> Episode one, dead. All right, it's over. And they're like, and we're all like, well, thank you. We actually appreciate what you did there. Thanks for coming in. Um, <laughs> it comes down to it was a forced character from the beginning. I mean, it, there was no compelling story about about that character. She was just like this teenager who like built an Iron Man suit. I mean, <laughs> there's really no story behind her and there's nothing compelling. What, what about I it, think, so I, what, what I think we're, what nobody's really talking about is what I think is really going to take the stage. I think with, with DC and Marvel, what they've done is they've elevated B rated characters into being part of our popular culture. I think now what we're going to see is far more independent comics and stuff and, you know, more smaller publishers really take the stage. And if there are two movies that nobody is talking about because of one reason or another, production pauses and stuff like that. These two movies are the ones I'm more excited about than anything that we've spoken about or you think we might talk about. It's this Todd McFarlane spawn and the crow remake. Those are both happening. Those are both happening. And nobody's talking about being released in the next year there. They, 
they they either are going to be released or they're at least going to put out trailers like Morbius. Nobody talks about Morbius. Morbius is supposed to come out in a couple of months. I think it comes out a few months after Black Widow. Uh, you know, Morbius I think will be cool. Uh, you know, coming from Sony, but you know, I think 2021 will be the year where, as soon as hopefully, fingers crossed, those trailers come out for Todd McFarlane's Spawn remake and for the Crow remake. I think those films are really gonna change things up. Who is playing Spawn? Do we know that? Uh, Jamie Fox. Real. So he's tapping into two, into two big franchises. He's gonna be Spawn, and he's also coming back as Electro for you know that that new uh, Spider-Man film. Yeah. So, what do you think now? We talked about this on a, on a potpourri episode, like you said a few months ago, about uh, about the the hints of the multiverse uh, in Spider Man. But now it is certainly more than a hint. Uh, it is pre- pretty much a known fact that uh, that this Spider Man three is going to feature multiple Spider Mans from multiple Spider Verses. Uh, Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire. That's not confirmed, but we are confirmed on on Alfred Molina's Doc Ock. We are confirmed on Jamie Foxx's Electro at the the addition of Doctor Strange. Uh, all all indications seem to point towards C- comic comic book. Yeah comicbookmovie.com unless they're wrong they also confirmed that Andrew Garfield signed on so we're getting at least one other Spider-Man apparently I think this is like a rumor Kirsten Dunst will be back as Mary Jane or at least a version of Mary Jane because we don't know if these are these people or if they're playing other versions of these people we know for Electro he's definitely another version of Electro but for like Doc Ock and stuff we don't know because I mean he's dead as of Spider-Man too so they might either bring him back in some weird way or he might just be another universe's version of Doc Ock I'm seeing that Jamie Foxx may be out of spawn I don't know this is from March 2020 so I'm not sure if that's true or not but it, it seems that Todd McFarlane was hinting at that. So I'm not sure if what's going on with that Spawn movie. I just wanted to do a quick a quick live, be uh, with us in the moment research That stings. Here. That stings. Because it seems perfect for it. I mean, Chadwick Boseman would have been perfect for it. Absolutely perfect for it. Oh, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 do you think that movie, the Spider-Man movie, to get back to that, does that look to be... On the surface, it looks like it could be a total mess, but I feel like Marvel has handled these things fairly well before, so perhaps they will again. Uh, I, I think the bigger issue that I, that we have both, that everybody has had really with Spider-Man in the MCU, Tom Holland's great, uh, the movies have been pretty good, I think, uh, but it, it's this thing where they always have Spider-Man as like needing the mentor. You know, first uh, first it's it's Iron Man, uh, and then uh, then it's kind of like Nick Fury, which wasn't really Nick Fury, it was T- Talos in, in the second film, and now it appears we're going to have Doctor Strange coming, or Acid Iron Man, uh, coming to <laughs> sort of be, be his mentor now, and everybody, he's always in these mentor roles, and he hasn't been able to really come into his own as as the guy, as, as his own superhero so and maybe that part of that is because you know they don't own the full rights to the character and and they you know the thing with sony can fall through again sony can take the character back altogether so perhaps they don't want to invest so fully in the character uh and maybe that's why they're always really tying him to these other characters that cut, they do have cut the baby in half like I'm, I'm just at that point where it's like you know this is i think i think tom holland is a great spider-man i like him but you know it's the same reason i like henry calville and ben affleck i think they're all great in their roles they're just not always written in the best stories and with with uh with this i mean it's really 
Spider-Man a name only and its other backdoor pilot films and all this other stuff. And we're like, yeah, I'm excited for Morbius. Morbius is going to be adjacent to the MCU. So what happens with Spider-Man, the MCU will impact these other uh, Sony projects like, you know, Venom. There will be uh, Carnage whenever that comes out. But like, you know, what one with the mentors, as you brought up, you know, it's antithetical to the character because he's, you know, he's supposed to be a lonely teenage hero. He came out before all these other heroes really started doing stuff. So I think one, that's pretty disingenuous to him. Secondly, the fact that he keeps needing these father figures and stuff. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, as I've, I've constantly coined it, it's Spider-Man with all power and no responsibility, because even though we didn't need to see a full on re reintroduction to the origin of this MCU Spider-Man, when you take out uncle Ben from it and you barely even act like he exists that's a problem because that follows spider-man Has he even uttered the words Uncle no ben in, in that you episode? see yeah, you see the I briefcase mean. he uses is owned by uh ben parker but i mean that's he it. never talks about it they allude to it briefly in captain america civil war but that was such a bastardized attempt to try and shoehorn it in i think and maybe yeah. that's why a bit of the soul feels like it's missing from spider-man because i didn't need a whole origin story movie for the third time in a decade with with uh, far from home but i could have used we could have learned to know about the character at least like at least tell us, at least give us like maybe a, a two minute speech about what happened with Uncle Ben or one little flashback. So we at and, least. And, and, you know, I, I, I make fun of I make fun of people who I call them MCU diehards. They really just care about the movies alone. They don't really care about the comics. Their big thing is, well, this is Spider-Man if he's in the world of all these heroes. And he was in the world of all those heroes in in the in the original Sony films. And my thing is like, listen, man. He was he was in the comic book universe of all those heroes and then some. His his first issue, he he goes and he tries to audition for the Fantastic Four. So don't tell me that you know Spider Man went all these decades without interacting with people. He interacted with the X Men. He interacted with the Avengers. He teamed up with Daredevil. He did all this awesome shit. But you know he still had those formative stories and that's not there in these movies. It's just not. And, you know, what made Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse from Sony so successful was that at its heart, it's a Miles Morales story. You cannot make MCU Peter Miles Morales because that doesn't make Miles cooler and it certainly doesn't make Peter better. It just makes everything worse. We might even get Miles Morales, and if not this movie, then the next movie, because I mean they did reference him uh, as being like the Prowler's nephew. As a, the, the Prowler referenced that he had his nephew in in like in Brooklyn or whatever it is, or is it Queens, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Which one, Brooklyn. Yeah, because yeah. Peter's from Queens. Uh, so, Miles hangs around right, Brooklyn. Right. So they laid laid the groundwork for that with just maybe it's just a one off line for fans, but I, I'd be sp- surprised if they could resist bringing in a, a Miles Morales Spider Man as well, especially if they're already doing this the Spider Man or Spider First type idea. I mean they're they're gonna try to do everything, and it seems the villains will probably be some sort of multiversal sinister sticks. I think we'll see the Michael Keaton's Vulture return, and we already know about Alfred Molina's uh, Doc Ock and Electro, and who knows? I mean. Are we going to see a, a Green Goblin here at some point? There was even rumors we might see the Green Goblin uh, the from from these past movies. So I don't know if it's going to be too much, you know, because in some ways I really wanted to forget a lot of those movies. Like I, I like them to an extent, but they're, you know, they're weird. But but why? But why did they succeed when they did? And you know, people could say that they, there were problems with the Amazing Spider-Man films. I totally get it. I have I have the same complaints, but like they were Peter Parker stories. 
Pierre Parker in the in the MCU is like fifty percent Miles Morales because he's stolen his friends, he's stolen his personality, and he's fifty percent Tony Stark. He's not Peter. He's just not. And like, I'm sorry for the love of God, make Aunt May an old woman. It it, it, it makes me feel it her, makes me feel weird. Yeah, ears. it makes it Suck makes it me down. feel weird when I look at her and I'm like, hi, Marissa Tomei, and I'm like, no, that's Aunt May. It's like, oh, that's Aunt May. It's like that's that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, sexy Aunt May is a weird thing. Yeah. It's definitely a weird, a definitely, definitely a weird concept for sure. Um, what else? Uh, we, we've mostly talked about what we've, you know, mostly a lot of these are announcements we might not even see for, until 2022 uh, at this point. But what are you looking forward to as, as we kind of wind things down here from comic books themselves? I, I think the biggest thing we're going to see in the beginning of the year here, since we've been talking mostly at uh, DC here, except for a little, a little Spider-Man tangent, um, is DC's uh, future slate that's going to be coming out. And also what comes after that. Uh, we still have one more chapter of Death Metal as we record this, but that is supposedly going to lead not only to future slate, but lead to this world where maybe everything matters, but maybe that means nothing kind of matters. I don't know what's going to happen with DC continuity. And there's also rumors, I'm sure you've seen this, that DC may stop printing comics. They may go full digital. That That is concerning, especially since the slate went down from like 40-something titles to less than 16. A majority of them are based off the Trinity, Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman. So that that is kind of concerning. Uh, you know, the thing about DC is that they're really trying to find they, – they are – and people attack AT&T a lot. I actually think that AT&T – Getting hold of DC Comics was actually probably one of the best things to happen to them because they actually started looking at why are you wasting time on shit that doesn't make money. Uh, what we're going to probably see this year is that we're going to see Superman, Batman, Justice League titles uh, on stands at like Walmart or Target. They're bringing back the the drugstore uh, buy bags where you can get like a little bag that has a bunch of different comics in there. So they're really trying to branch out because ultimately, while I still will go to my comic book shop and buy my stuff, they have to go where the people are. And the thing is, most people don't think about comic shops and they might be walking through a book section or at the cash register and they might be like, oh, I see Archie there typically in the Inquirer, but why not pick up Batman or something? So I think going where the people are is the best thing. And if if having to sacrifice a lot of print titles to keep the stuff that's print alive, but also go digital so that way you don't have the big manufacturing and printing costs to bring in more, I'll call them, let's say, experimental or risky titles, making those digital exclusives, I'm okay with that. I, I think there's a place for everybody uh, in this, and I think that things are going to change. But I think at the end of the day, uh, AT&T, DC, they're not as heartless as people may make them sound. I actually think they're making a lot of decisions as I look at it. And it's like, what would I do? I'd probably make the same ones. I think for me, the, the biggest thing is uh, finishing off some of these limited series, getting getting down with uh, getting done with death metal, because even I'm getting kind of tired of it. The final issue of D- I mean, it has been like six months now. Well, I, I, I went to I went to my guy at the comic book store and I'm like, OK, did death metal come come in? He's like, yeah, and five one shots. And I'm like, dude, like, listen, I'm, I've been pretty happy with yeah. this, but like, keep ordering it. But like, they're, they're, they're raping my wallet right now. Like, this needs to end. Like, is it going to end? Like, is this, do I just have the one issue left? And he's like, well, you got a few before the final issue. And I'm like, ah, oh, just fucking take my money. Dude, I saw one that just came out this week. It's, I think it's called The Last 52. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, even, I don't even fucking know. Like, I told my guy, 899, Remzo, 899. I can't, I can't do that. 
$8.99. I can't do that. It's an 80 page book, but I mean, come on. Still, it's like I, I told him, it's like I, I don't even know half these things coming out. It's like I show up and I'm surprised. And at first it was like, oh, surprise. Now it's like, give me your money. And it's like, ah. So I, I think for me, I'm really going to focus on some of the writers that I just really love. I did a, you know, I did for people in, on the on the Patreon, I, I did a two part uh, Future State catalog where I went through all the Future State titles and I actually broke down the ones that I'm probably going to get. Now, since I'm out of a job, which gives you another reason to, you know, go on Patreon to help me out. Um, <laughs> and, and, and help us survive. Um, you know, I, I think my list might be a little bit more narrow, but I also did a poll list episode talking about what's going to be in my subscription poll list. And it's primarily a lot of DC and Valiant entertainment. But uh, really, Brian Michael Bendis, Tom Taylor, and Donnie Cates. Uh, those are the three writers I'm going to follow them. You've got Brian Michael Bendis going over to Justice League. Uh, you know, his new Avengers run is one of my favorite team comics of all time. I'm so excited because he did great on Superman. I think he's going to do great things with Justice League. I don't know what Tom Taylor is doing after Deceased, but by God, he did Justice. He did De- uh, Deceased. Uh, DC, give him a main title, give him anything. And then Donnie Cates, I've been reading a lot of his store and his Venom run uh, over on Marvel Unlimited. My God, that guy has not disappointed me since. So I think really those are going to be my big trinity for uh, for 2021. And then obviously Bloodshot, EXO, and uh, hopefully Shadow Man in March from Valiant. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I, I'm most intrigued when it comes to like the mainstream superheroes by – DC characters uh, overall. Like I, I want to read a good Batman book that I want to pick up every month. Uh, I want to read a good Superman book that I want to pick up every month. I don't know if I have that coming. You know, I, I don't see that. I, I, I never got into Bendis's run. Um, the last Batman run I really read was Tom King's run, and maybe in retrospect, I, I liked it more than I, I, I let on because I, I read I think, the whole I think thing. you love it. I, th- I think, I I think it, part you know, of you actually really does secretly like his stuff. <laughs> Maybe it is one of those. He's like the Rian Johnson of, of comics. I need therapy. I need, to, I, need to, I need to talk to a therapist about my about Tom King and Jonathan Hickman and, and my feelings about Show all of Show me them. on but, his flowchart uh, where he hurt you. The, the biggest things I'm looking forward to are just from the mainstream are, are probably, again, Marvel stuff just because of the writers that, I, that I've really liked there, which is, you know, it's not – it's not what I would have thought a year or two ago, but like you said, I'm really looking forward to everything Donny Cates is doing, everything he's doing with with uh, Venom. I, I pick up the first issue of of, of uh, King and Black, and it's, it's everything it should be. It's a, it looks like a giant, amazing uh, culmination to like year, literally years of buildup of this story, uh, and his Thor as well has just been just phenomenal. So I'm looking forward. I will follow Donny Cates probably to anything he does. Uh, another guy I'm probably going to follow around a bit, uh, soccer style, is Al Ewing. I have I loved his Immortal Hulk uh, and uh, everything that he's done with that as that wraps up i'm definitely going to be finishing up that series and i just started reading today uh is immortal she hulk which i, I believe you read as well uh at least it, it appeared to do because we share a marvel unlimited account so i was uh i was i was not i was not pleased with that i am not i'm not happy okay i will say this and this might be a little bit embarrassing i i fucking love she hulk like listen i love she hulk like i love she hulk I hate this current She-Hulk. She is stupid, and she looks like a dude. Yeah, I, I didn't really love how she was kind of talking because I always remember She-Hulk when I was uh, in, in my youth being like a smarter version. Like she would, and now in this they have her. It seems like she, she can she, willingly she was, just she go. Was, she was hot green lady lawyer, and now she's yeah. I've got PTSD, she's very, and it's like shut the fuck up. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it seems like Jennifer Walters can just seemingly go back and forth at will from Hulk to Jennifer Walters. And when she becomes Hulk, she becomes kind of like dumb Hulk smash. Not like not like with rage. She has control, but just the way she talks. And it, that kind of bothers me. But I do find it interesting how he's bringing her into this whole thing and, and using the same concepts from Immortal Hulk, uh, bringing in the green door, bringing in the leader. And I, I'm, I'm curious to see where it all goes, I, I guess. I'm going to give it a chance. Although, yeah, I, I will agree with you. The character, the character itself is not compelling me as much as the story going on around her and you know evil dead brian banner in in the green door like like, like listen like listen it, it might be because i'm a dude you know i'm a straight dude like you know i remember young you know young like 11 12 year old 13 remso looking at she hulk getting yeah no, that's get, how she get, was getting kind of sure. hot and bothered and as an adult <laughs> thinking this is a fictional character why is it making me horny and now it's like what the <laughs> fuck is this you had one job yeah. and you ruined it yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, but we'll see. We'll see what happens with it. But uh, I mean, I think the biggest things I'm, I'm going to look forward to are just possibly, hopefully, uh, discovering some new books, books something I don't even know yet right now. You know, that, that's what I look forward to in comics when I find something new uh, that is just like, whoa, whoa, I didn't even know this was out. I didn't even know this existed. But I, I do plan to kind of get back, back in now that Valiant is publishing in. Uh, I do want to check out the new EXO. I haven't read the new EXO series because I've been reading the uh, relaunch in 2012 because that is the next issue we're going to be doing. Uh, so I've been rereading a lot of EXO. I've actually been going back and reading some of the 90s EXO Man of War from the first iteration of Valiant Comics because I, I got big into Valiant Comics uh, in the early 90s as well so I, i'm really having fun reading current valiant and comparing it to old valiant there is no continuity connection these are many of the same characters and books totally rebooted uh back in 2012 but they're all pretty consistently in the same universe uh you know since 2012 and i really do love what valiant puts out for the most part so i want to see you know what else comes from them i probably will pick up pick up that exo book and uh and of course as always Savage Dragon. I love there Savage Dragon. Go. I think they're really, it, it's just, it's better than ever. Even, you know, I love a book because I don't like when politics are pushed on me. I don't like when politics are pushed on me in media, in TV shows, in, in movies, uh, in comic books. Eric Larson pushes the shit out of his politics. And that's how much I love this book because I, I, I let it go. I just let it flow right through me. I, that should that should speak so many volumes that it doesn't even bother me. It's just like you know if you had if you have like a a best friend or a good uh, I don't know a cousin or something a family member who's you know they're always coming in and, and spouting off some political stuff that you don't agree with and and you let and they you let them have their thing and then you still hang out with them and you like them in every other aspect of life and you, and you move on with it. That's how I feel about Eric Larson. He pushes it all on me. I don't. I don't agree with it. I don't like it. I think he's got a really skewed perspective on things. But he's written this amazing book for thirty years that has like touched my life and something given me something to look forward to. Like every well, not every not every month because he's not always consistent. But lately, he's, he's he has been better. Um, he recently did an amazing issue where he did every single page was a different homage to a different old newspaper comic huh. strip uh, and a different completely in that style of that them? strip. Yeah, he did. Oh all wow. Them. It's, it's really, you should pick it up. It's Savage Dragon. Uh, I think it's number, I want to say 249 or two. You'll know it from the cover, but it, I, I'll try to find out which issue it is for you. If yeah, you show want. me the number. Um, or uh, that, you can log into my comic, yeah. Comixology account. <clears throat> but yeah, it, it's really good. Uh, it, it's just incredible what he's done with the art. And he's always experimenting, always doing different things like that. Uh, and he recently brought in, I don't want to spoil anything because maybe you'll get further into Savage Dragon. And I, I try to not spoil what's going on in the series because there's so many twists and turns and how he gets there is just incredible. But there's a really interesting 
new slash old character that is in the book right now. And I'll just leave it at that. But it's really compelling and it's really interesting. And I, I'm just loving it. So I, I always look when, when I see Savage Dragon has dropped, I, I get so freaking excited still to this day, just as excited as I did when I was 12, 12, 13 years old uh, reading this book for the first time. So that says a lot. So, Eric, if you're out there, I know you're out there somewhere, probably not listening, but, you know. Getting into fights with Mark guess, on Twitter. I guess I'm not going to tell you to not push your politics because it's not pushing me away. So do what you got to do, man. But I, lo- I love the book. It's incredible. Well, I, I think this is a good place to cap it off. I mean, all in all, so. th- we're, we're going to get some awesome things this year. And knowing that we've got a lot more awesome things lying ahead in the future, uh, we're going to keep doing what we do. Great deep dives into comics, great panel shows uh, that we've got coming up. Our first one in February, which we'll talk a little bit about later. Um, you know, doing a uh, doing doing something about comic book love interest. You know, focusing more. I'm I'm, I'm from some of my episodes I'll be producing. We're going to talk about Star Wars right now. We have a big discussion in the group as to whether or not we're going to cover the Disney Star Wars canon or the Star Wars Legends canon from before the Disney acquisition. I'm just so excited. As always, I mean, I appreciate all of you who listen, all of you who share the. Show. Show, all of you to check out all the articles and stuff on the website, especially our patrons who make all of this even better for us. Uh, you know, this is going to be a great year for the Second Print Comics Nation. And I think this is where global domination starts, Mark. Exactly. This is where it starts because, as we discussed in the beginning, we are here not just to read comics. But to what, Remzo? Change the world! Change the world! And we're doing it. So thank you all. Thank you to everybody who's been out there uh, listening to us in, the, in this last year and who's here now, here with us in 2021, looking forward to the year ahead. Again, all we ask from you, we ask you a lot of things that we'd like you to maybe do and consider doing. Of course, supporting us on Patreon, getting access to all the bonus content, as Remzo mentioned earlier, patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Uh, what? Wow, plug yourself. <laughs> that, Check yourself. That was a, a perhaps intentional, semi-non-intentional, <laughs> subconsciously intentional plug of my other podcast, Lions of Liberty. If you do want to hear me talk about uh, libertarian politics and stuff, you can go ahead and, and listen to that. But what I meant to say was patreon.com slash secondprintpod. Uh, but really, the number one thing you can do for us that costs you nothing except a couple minutes of your time is to give us a five-star rating and a great review on Apple Podcasts. And I say Apple Podcasts for a reason. They still have something like 80 to 90% share of the podcast market. Most listens do come from there, and most other podcast apps do pull from Apple. So increasing those algorithms on Apple through reviews, through five-star ratings, really, really helps us a lot. And it it cannot be overstated how much those reviews help us. And we've gotten a lot of great reviews from, from a lot of people. We really appreciate all of those out there. So if you don't want to support us on patreon you don't want to toss us money uh that's totally fine but at least consider tossing us a five-star rating and a great review tell a friend about the show retweet something from us follow us on on twitter at second print pod uh instagram at second print pod uh just share the show help us help spread the love help us change the world one issue one episode whatever at a time well that's all i got as always i'm remster w martinez and I am the marvelous, magnificent, miraculous Mark. Blair. Read comics, change the world. Change the world. Good night, America. Adios. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about.
As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money. 